Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F. from California, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page nine. The first paragraph, the door opened and he stood there. Today's readers are, we have uh, Marie J. on the 12 steps. We have Jody E.Q. on the 12 traditions. Reader number one is Lynn S. And reader number two is Terry H. The reference number for Wednesday, February 22nd, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 9645, 9645. The 10 a.m. meeting share code is 9646. And today, at the end of the meeting, the newcomer greeter will be Melanie C. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marie J to read the 12 steps. Marie? Hi, this is Marie J, recovered in Colorado. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. I will now ask Jody E.Q. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Jody E.Q. in California. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first, 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Jody E. Two. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book On page nine, it's the first paragraph, the door opened and he stood there. And we're going to go five paragraphs ending, besides my gin would last longer than his preaching, and we will comment on all. And um, Lynn S., if you could start reading. Thank you. Star one. Sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted. Uh, this That's is Lindy, fine. Lindy from Colorado. Oh, Lindy. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no problem. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had gotten to the, guy, the fellow. 
He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about, I queried. He looked straight at me. Simply but smilingly, he said, I've got religion. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my chin would last longer than his preaching. Well, I'm Lynn D. from Colorado, recovered compulsive overeater. What a miraculous meeting with these two, two men, Debbie Thatcher and Bill W. I am so forever grateful to them. My my first meeting with a recovered person was nothing like that. Um, you know, his, Ebby and Bill had a special relationship. How amazing to see somebody recovered right in front of you that you knew in the disease. But I tell you, the person that told me about OA had some power greater than me. Um, she had a knowledge of an answer. And so I was convinced and went to my first meeting uh, without knowing anything about OA. And they talked, they read the 12 steps, you know, from other literature. And, you know, I identified with them. They talked about eating food from the garbage. I had not done that yet. But I was amazed. They, they, they hooked me. I felt like I was at home. And so it was a little bit after that that I met my very first sponsor, and she was different than all the other people. Um, she didn't have a starry-eyed look, but she looked happy. And, um, you know, she could relate. To, I could relate to her with this disease and how desperate. She showed me her fat pictures, and I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, she hooked me. I, I knew I was home for the rest of my life, and I was really happy about it because uh, I thought, you know, by myself, I thought I was – so insane with this disease that I would never have hope of a solution. I just wanted to stop gaining weight, and that's when I, the attitude I had when I went to OA. But, um, and since that, you know, rec- being recovered, I had many opportunities to talk to people that were like me when I first came to OA. And I just tell them simply about what it was like before OA. And what happened when I got there? I don't go too much further than that, but I tell you, I, I can remember um, meeting a person in the parking lot and uh, never having seen her before, so I talked to her, and I told her how miserable I had been um, back before OA and what happened when I came. And you know what? I saw her a couple of years later, and she told me, when you, I still remember your story. And uh, she recovered. And, you know, it was just the solution. It wasn't my, my presence so much, but it was carrying the message. And what a wonderful thing to be a part of. And with that, I'm going to pass. Why, thank you, Lindy. Now we're going to uh, open it up for um, sharing. And so this is Sylvia in California. This is Sylvia in California. And this is my first time moderating, so I'm asking friends, let's go easy on me. Let's get a list going. Harlan G. Laurie Ash. Harlan. A.J. from Ohio. <laughs> okay, I missed the second one. Who was after Harlan? Laurie S. Laurie S. A.J.M. Siri K.B. A.J.M. And what was the one with the B? Terry K.B. Terry K.B. Terry K.B. Okay. Janice Terry. 
I got you, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks. Suji. Suji. And I think we'll stop right there. We've got six readers. So let's. I've got Harlan, Lori S., AJM. I've got uh, Sherry KB, and I've got Sue G for this first round. Harlan. Thank you very much, Sylvia, and thank you for your service. I'm glad you're moderating today, and uh, thank you for, for plunging in there. I know it's difficult. Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm looking at these paragraphs, and there is a very magical thing happening. Bill Wilson is sitting there. He has triggered the physical allergy on November the 11th. This is the end of almost the end of November. He has been drinking for weeks, and something else is going to happen here, or is happening here, excuse me, that has never happened before in Bill Wilson's life. He is looking at a man that he knows very well is as alcoholic and as big a drunk as he ever was. Many times in Bill's life, he would say, if I ever get to be as bad a drunk as Ebby, I'm going to quit. And Ebby would say, if I ever get to be as bad a drunk as Bill Wilson, I'm going to quit. And here is a living embodiment of the message being carried to Bill Wilson, and it is getting his attention. He knew that Lois could not drink, but Lois wasn't an alcoholic. He knew that his mother-in-law and father-in-law could go for periods of time and not drink, but they weren't alcoholics. But Ebby is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And not only is Ebby not drinking, he is doing so happily. That's the difference. When Bill Wilson would meet some of these guys at the town's hospital during his hospitalization, the two that we've known about already, we're going to learn of the third one soon, these guys were not drinking, but they were doing so and they were miserable about it. They wanted to be drinking, but there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope that he talks about, but he was miserable. He was on a diet, and just like us, when we're not eating and we're not working the steps, we're not eating, but we're very frustrated. We're hanging from the chandelier, stark, raving abstinence. And this is getting Bill's attention. He pushes the drink across the table, and Ebby refused it. Can I see myself not taking an Oreo cookie when someone offers it to me? Absolutely not. But Bill is aghast because the message, Dr. Silkworth tells us, must have depth and weight. Here is depth and weight. Ebby Thatcher is a drunk. He's not drinking, and he is not drinking happily. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. We have Lori next, and then followed by AJ. Lori, star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Lori S. in Northern California. May I be heard? Yes, Lori, go ahead. Okay. What I observe in this paragraph about Ebby and his little quote of, I've got religion, is this. You've got two drinking buddies. And I know these kind of people. I grew up with these kind of people. And I think Ebby's trying to make light of what he's come to do. I think Ebby is scared and nervous. He's being required by the Oxford groups to go and get this thing started with his old buddy, Bill. I'm sure that there's amends he's got to make or restitution, as an Oxford grouper would have said. 
And I think that we don't give Ebby enough credit for depending on his higher power and going to Bill and delivering the message. I know that I would be scared to death. I am scared to death. I'm in step nine right now, and I'm scared of making my amends. I know that with my higher power's help, I will be able to do it. Some will be difficult. Some will be easy. But I know that I'm scared of them. But I'm counting on higher power's guidance to get me through them. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lori. I think it's AJ, star one to unmute, and then we're going to come with Sherry KB. Uh, this is AJ from Hannah. Yes, go ahead. This is AJ N. 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 Yeah. Um, and just a couple of things jumped out of me. My heavy actually, and I never saw anybody. Um, but I could feel that that skin was growing, and that there was something different to eyes, just to their voices, and it's so powerful. Okay. Hey, AJ, if I could interrupt, you're really breaking up. Can you adjust your mic or move to another place so we can hear you? You know what? I'll just pass because I'm in my car, so that's how I, I'll just pass for now. Thank you. Okay. We hope to see you on again soon, hear you on soon. Okay. okay, Sherry, can you uh, unmute by star one? Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovering, compulsive overreader. Um you know, uh, I always think about how important it is for to identifying in on on all the readings that we read to, so that my disease likes to like for me to look for the differences and keep me pulled out of something. So that's why it's so important for me, being a recovered person, to identify in with this paragraph. And what I think about is when I first, and I have, um, when I look at this, Think about it. This this picture of Bill and Abby sitting in Bill's kitchen is the birth of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's it's the it's the pathway to freedom. It's the pathway to my recovery and to so many others and so many twelve uh, step programs due to Abby and Bill sitting in Bill's uh, kitchen. And without that, I wouldn't be here on the phone right now. And that's the, one of the things I think about. Uh, thank God for Bill and Abby. And um, and, you know, again, my disease would like for me to, um, you know, not look at this, to be, um, you know, out in the in the food. And I know that my disease is allergic to two things. It's the alcohol, alcoholic foods, and being told what to do. So I know how important it is for me to be reading this book, to identify in with what Bill and Ebby were talking about, and a long time ago, my first Ebby was a place that I went to for an eating disorder, and this man said to me, Sherry, you have more weight in your head than you do in your entire body. And as soon as you catch up with the weight in your head, your body will catch up with you. And for me, the 12 steps of, of Overeaters Anonymous is where I get rid of the weight in my head and to get unblocked, to have my higher power get in here. And... Um, I'm just so grateful for all of you and for being on the phone bridge. And um, I think also that, you know, based on attraction rather than promotion, when Ebby came in there, you know, Bill knew him. He had, they'd been friends for years, and he saw how Ebby looked. He looked fresh-faced. He looked starry-eyed. 
he um, he looked amazing. And here was Bill trying to talk him into having another drink. And Abby said, no, I've got religion. And, um, you know, when I first heard that, I, you know, I would like religion and I'd want to close the book. But back then, I think they meant something very different than they do today. And so I tried again to identify in to look for the similarities rather than the differences. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And Sue G, uh, star one to unmute, please. Hi, this is Sue from Michigan, recovered from Michigan. Um, hey, I got religion. Um, you know, first of all, he had this story. Look, there, there's something about people that have got, got a good, good, solid spiritual experience or religious experience, that there's something different about their eyes. And uh, so he noticed that about him. And then I wasn't surprised to, to have them say, I got religion. came from the Oxford group. I mean, that's where Ebby um, and, and the Oxford group was very much a religious organization. Uh, but even in the end of um, the end of there's a solution that says that many, not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us do join, do favor such memberships. So it wasn't unusual um, to have this come up. Even uh, I think earlier we read, you know, it said, well, we're going to mention religion. We've got to, you know, so, you know, we're going to mention it. And uh, so, you know, even later it mentions the word, you know, mentions the name Christ. That's pretty blatant. Uh, it's pretty, pretty religious. And uh, we sometimes steer away from it. But over and over um, in the big book, in areas, it says, you know, and we agnostics, it comes up again. So um, we just don't normally start out sharing with somebody with that, but since Ebby knew Bill so well and knew his background and everything else, he felt very comfortable with leading right out with uh, I Got Religion. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Suji. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're on page nine, and we're the first paragraph, the door opened, and I'm going to open it up for more uh, uh, shares. Who would like to share? Jan- Marie, Janice, Janice, Janice M. Reggie. I've got Janice. Marie I've got J. Reggie. Charles Marie H. Uh, who Lisa is B. it with a J? Marie J. Marie J. Kathy. And I've got Lisa B. And I've got uh, Charles. And I've got one more now. Kathy, who's that? Kathy Jones. Kathy, Kathy Joe. Jo. Okay. So I've got Janice M., Reggie, Marie, Lisa B., Charles, and Kathy Joe. So let's start with you, Janice M., star one to unmute. Yes, and thank you so much, Sylvia, from the West Coast. Yes, um, thank you for your service. I'm from, from Boston, Massachusetts. Here I am, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, as I read these five paragraphs, I'm thinking of myself as Bill, and I'm sitting in the kitchen, and I'm eating, And then, of course, we know that there was a God intervention by the phone even ringing. I mean, that has to be the power of God. And then this friend comes in that I've been eating with and eating with in the past. And I say to myself, boy, that's terrific. I'm going to have an eating partner. (laughs) I imagine 
yeah, he looked at Abby and, you know, he, but he is so selfish like I am and so self-centered. The only thing I was thinking of, boy, now I can eat in peace. If Lois comes home, um, she'll see I got my own long lost friend here and we're having a little party. However, he, he was disappointed, but he was curious. Why was he disappointed? Well, because, you know, he sees this guy and he looks terrific and, you know, he knows him as a, as a drinking buddy and there he is. He looks so different, but he's curious. Okay, so <clears throat> here he goes. He's telling them how, what he, you know, how he's got religion and, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was eating, oh my goodness, I didn't want to hear how you did it. I don't care if you went to Weight Watchers, if you went to church, if you if I'm not convinced yet, I don't care what you say. So he's laughing at him, you know, yeah, I lost you, you know. Now you're a crackpot, very, very, very um, sarcastic. <laughs> That's what I would say, you know, because I'm not interested. Even though there's proof right in front of him of an old buddy, an old drinking buddy. And, you know, remember, he hid. He had to hide his gin so that Lois wouldn't see it, so that he would know he'd have enough, like I did with my food, so that my family wouldn't get it, but I know where it is. And, um, you know, when we have to hide like that, there's a problem. There's a, there's a real problem, because normal people don't hide their food. <laughs> they think it's crazy. What do you mean hiding it under the bed, hiding it, I know, my, in my closet way in the back. So now he's becoming, see, this is going to start the beginning of him becoming Oh, curious, he's going to be up and he's going to be down. And I see maybe a little resentment in him, you know, especially with the word religion because of his grandfather brought him up. And, you know, we do get prejudiced. We have prejudices against religion and about different, you know, spiritual things. So I see him getting a little agitated, you know, but because he doesn't want to hear it. And if we look at those emotions like I had, that was me. I don't want to hear anything. You can't tell me anything about anything, no matter how much we ate together. And uh, that's what I see coming up here, uh, because he's got to he's got to change before he starts believing. You see, and he has to be convinced. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sylvia, and everybody. Thank you, Janice M. Next, we have Reggie, followed by Marie. Reggie, if you could star one to unmute. We have Hi, can you hear me? So yes, yes. Yeah, can yes. you hear me? Okay, great. Thanks for thanks for your service this morning, and everybody that's here, everybody that's sharing. This uh, first little paragraph: the door opened, and he stood there, fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes; he was inexplicably different. What had happened? Uh, that's one of that is. There are like two or three or four light paragraphs in this book that are favorites of mine. This is one of them, and it reminds me of. Um, it reminds me of a, many years ago when I, I was recovered uh, once before and uh, I was had gone through the 12 steps. I'd gone through an AWOL and then I'd gone through the 12 steps in um, the uh, OA, the OA 12 and 12. And in the very last chapter toward the end of the, the 12th step, there was this statement about uh, something about we not only carry the message, but we are the message. And that's what this, paragraph says to me because when you you know my experience has been uh is that when you go through this work and you have that 
spiritual experience that uh, really removes the compulsion. We, you know, we are inexplicably different. There, There is something about the way we walk through the world, about the looks in our eyes, you know, that is different. And that that is the first that's the first of the message that people get, you know, is, and in the book it's talked about the message, it needs to be one of depth and weight. It can't be one of uh, emotionalism or trying to convince. It has to be a message of depth and weight. And that depth and weight begins here with being the message, you know, and on the phone, uh, in the phone meetings, we don't always get to see uh, each other, but we certainly do get to hear the voices, and we get we just get to hear. We get to have we get to have an experience, and that's that's the beginning. And then the words we say, the message we carry, it doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be any sort of convincing or uh, grand testimonial. We get to share our experience, and that experience has depth and weight along with who who we come into the room being or who we come onto the call being. So I just think this is so amazingly powerful and it it had already shifted uh, Bill from when he was so excited, you know, just thinking about his friend coming in and great, we can recover, we can renew all of this of the past. He saw him and he, he, he had a pause right there. What's happened to him? He's, he's inexplicably different. So that's what I want to share this morning. I pass. Thank you, Reggie. Next, we have Marie, followed by Lisa B. And Marie, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. <clears throat> and, um, good morning, Marie. Good morning. Um, this idea of I got religion, um, you know, people can bristle at that. I know I bristled in the beginning because I felt God had abandoned me. And there's another definition of religion, and that is a pursuit or an interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. And it wasn't until I started working the big book and the steps in the big book that I started to shift. And um, through that whole process, I became free. And my thoughts started to change. And I started owning my own humanity. And I owned my own imperfections. And I accounted for my mistreatment and injuries to other people. And, you know, these are all part of the steps. And I began to accept that I didn't have to hold myself to impossible standards or hold others to impossible standards. And I worked it like my life depended on it. But it, it didn't happen from the start. Um, my sponsor had to have a little chat with me and threatened to cut me loose before I was really willing to go to any length. And because she wanted it more than me, I just wanted to be thin and I didn't want to make this an everyday thing. I didn't want to make this be my number one priority in my life. I wanted an easier, softer way. And, um, you know, at that time, things were pretty good. They were good enough. They were better than before. I wasn't fat anymore. I wasn't in the food as much, but I didn't really have the freedom. And it wasn't until I chose to ascribe supreme importance to my recovery and do it every day, one day at a time, every single day, not only when it was convenient. And that's the only way that I actually came to achieve recovery in the sense of all the promises. You know, I now have a new freedom. I have a new peace because I made a choice. I made a choice to ascribe supreme importance to my recovery. And that's all it is here. You know, everyone on this line can recover. And it's just about a choice. It's about a choice about making it the number one priority. 
And uh, that's what I do every day. And I'm so grateful for this call. So I can do it every day. Thanks, Pass. Thank you so much. Uh, a, a general reminder to please, if you're not speaking, to be muted, star one. And Lisa B, followed by Charles, uh, star one. Good morning. This is Lisa B, a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for your service. And it's so nice to be on this meeting and say hello to all my Western friends. Um, you know, I was not aware of how much I identified with this until this morning and listening to the shares. My Ebby was my beautiful brother who took me to my very first AA meeting. And um, I saw him for years suffer as an addict and have a very difficult time getting any clean time. And when he asked me to go to my very first AA meeting with him to support him, because he was going to be picking up a chip, I had stepped over the line and I was not just a heavy eater. I was now a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety and I felt hopeless and frightened. I did not think there was any hope for me. But when I walked into that AA meeting and I saw something in the eyes of my brother's sponsor, I could feel the energy coming off of my brother that was so different. <clears throat> it was not desperate like I have felt for years from him and hopeless. Um, there was something in that room and I knew I had to have it. Now for me, it took me many years to meet someone in whom the problem had been solved um, that would take me through the big book, but it gave me a spark, a hope. And honestly, I think, you know, if because I've known my brother my whole life and he's no longer here on this earth with us, he's gone on, um, I don't know that I would have had the same experience, just like with Bill meeting Ebby again, knowing him, knowing what he knew about Ebby. I knew, I knew, I saw what my brother had gone through and what he had become. And this, this something was different for him. It was working for him. And I thought maybe this will happen for me with the food. And then what happened for me is I got abstinent only and did not get recovered in the mind and body and the spirit until I got a truly recovered sponsor that took me through as a recovered compulsive overeater. But I'm so grateful to be here, and I love this new meeting, and thank you all for being there, and thank you for your service, I pass. Well, thank you, Lisa B. We have Charles next, and then Kathy Jo. Charles, how are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm here. Give me a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, good morning, Sylvia F. Um, thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, yeah, the I Got Religion piece, um, it, you know, people uh, see that as skepticism. And I, and I am, by no means am I taking this as an opportunity to pitch for it. Um, however, without, <laughs> without this simple religious idea, because that's all it is, it ain't saying you got to do anything else. Just just believe that you can't do it. And the thing with alcoholics, we don't like control. We don't like giving up control. You know, I can take you to uh, more about alcoholism with um, with my friend here, uh, Fred. Uh, was it Fred? No, Jim. Right, Jim. Um, it says uh, whatever the precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. Um, you may think this is an extreme case, right? We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that paralleled, which means it was next to the sound reasoning. So, um, Ebby, Ebby didn't, Ebby, Ebby didn't, Ebby knew that 
um, he had um, the, 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 the mental phenomenon always next to his sound reasoning. And without that simple religious idea, without giving up the reins, there's no way he could practice. There's no way I could practice uh, a practical program of action without giving up the reins, without giving up control. We don't like to be controlled. We like to let some people go over three minutes. We don't respect the bell. We want to step on people. We want to do all this and that because we don't like control, right? But without giving up control, there's no way you're going to have access to a power greater than yourself, whatever you want to call it. I'm not pitching it. It's just a simple religious idea. If you want to go back in time and change it, by all means, try. But I don't think it's possible. So, yeah, it's a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months, and and the results were self-evident. It worked. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. And Kathy Jo, uh, star one to unmute. Kathy Jo, star one, can't hear you yet. We'll give you another second to get on. If you're just joining us, we're on page nine. The first full paragraph, the door opened, and we went for five paragraphs. I'm so sorry. This is Kathy Jo. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can. Go ahead, Kathy. Sorry about that. Um, This is Kathy Jo in Minneapolis, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I want to focus on the beginning here where it's not what he said, but it's more how he acted, how he looked, the manner, the feelings that Bill was getting by being in his presence. And I don't know if it really matters if he would have said, I've got religion. But it could have been if he would have just said, not today. Um, Something shifted in a huge way in him that was different. There was no preaching, no arguing. He just simply seemed confident in a different place for Bill that later we see that he shared his story for a long time and what happened to him. And Bill could see the fire in him and could see the changes in him. And I think that for me, that's what attracted me to work this much differently and be a part of um, the fire of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, Before that, I was always looking for a food plan. I wanted someone to give me the perfect food plan so that I could get to goal. And at the same time, I was miserable, and I was struggling, and I was angry, and nothing was working for me. And meanwhile, there were people that stood there with that confident fire in their eyes and the confident um, pleasure of being at peace with food and letting go and being in the moment and being of service and showing up. And it didn't take me long when I came back here to be able to comprehend what the word recovered meant because I had these models all around me during my 22-year relapse. And 
I would see these people that were in the rooms when I left 22 years ago, and they would be at the same weight, but still serene and of service and kind to me. And I knew there was another way, but I wasn't ready. And I think what I want to end with here is here it's showing its attraction, not preaching. Like I said, he didn't walk in the door and say, hey, listen to me, buddy. I got to tell you something different. He waited for the opening, and his opening was, I've got religion. And when I was ready, my people were here for me too. And I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Joe, And thanks, everybody. You've been so good about sticking to your uh, time allocated. We're going to go for one more call for shares. I can probably take about five readers. We'll see. Who would like to share? Terry H. from Maine. Terry Wendy. H. <clears throat> Becky F. I got Wendy and Becky S. Okay. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Oh, you guys are being so good. One more. Anybody? Okay. Well, we'll go with this. Terry H. Wendy, Becky S. Jody EQ. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Sylvia. My name is Terry H. I'm recovered compulsive overeater from Maine, and I just want to put a little different spin on on this uh, five paragraphs that I see, um, starting with um, I pushed a drink across the table, and he refused it. So how did he refuse it? Um, every refused it because he was spiritually fit, and you know later, you know later for us we're going to find that we can go anywhere as long as we're spiritually fit. That you know he uh, every wasn't even fighting it or avoiding temptation here, and then it says disappointed but curious. So you know Bill's kind of he's still open, you know even though he's wishing for his drinking buddy to come back. I wanted what had gotten into him, what what had gotten into that fellow. And, and that's the line I really want to focus in on. Um, I wondered what had gotten into that fellow because as we read, we're going to find that, that you know, Bill knows his problem, and this is the missing link that he doesn't have yet, as of yet. And I think if it had been any other person to bring this message, I think we we would have a different a different story today. But um, I want to just kind of stress, I wondered what had gotten into that fellow because it's an inside problem, but it's also an inside solution. So as we read, as we continue to read, this is what we're gonna, this is what we're gonna see. Bill keeps saying, um, and uh, you know, because it is an inside job. And and where he talks about, he looks straight at me. You know, it doesn't say he looked down, he looked away. He, he you know, Abby's looking straight in Bill's eyes. You know, because he's speaking his truth and. You know, simply but smiling, he said, I've got religion. And I look at this, you know, the religion, you know, he's going to shut his mind, he's going to snap his mind shut. But I look at this, and it's just really another another way to say step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. And, um, you know, once Bill starts opening to this second piece of the link, you know, um, recovery begins. So thanks for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry. Next, we have Wendy, followed by Becky. Wendy, start one to unmute. Yes, good morning. It's Wendy M., recovered in Colorado. And thank you, Sylvia, for your service today and everybody's um, contributions. So what always sticks with me on this page, the one thing that really pops out is um, besides, I love that word, besides, 
My gin would last longer than his preaching. I love that. So that's my story. My story is that my food would last longer and, and take the place of actual interaction with another human being. And I didn't have to deal with your preaching or your story or your anything because I had my stash. I had what I had to have. And I heard at the OA birthday party, someone said, um, it's not that I wanted to eat. It's that I had to eat. I had to eat. I am hardwired. I had no choice in the matter. I had to eat. And I had to have my stash. And, you know, if I'm at a party, and I was recently at several parties, and um, somebody's talking to me, now, not now, of course, because I'm fully recovered and I'm a perfect human being, but before today, in the past, um, I had no idea what people were talking to me about. I had zero interest in what people were preaching or talking to me about. Um, all I cared about was, when am I going to get my next stash? Where's my stash and where, where am I going to get it? So my eyes were always peeled on the plates with the food or the hors d'oeuvres or whatever it was. But I can tell you something. I don't remember much of my life because I, all I thought about was my stash. I didn't know what people were preaching to me. I had no idea. I didn't remember names. You know, it was important for people to know my name because I was, of course, self-centered, self-seeking and selfish. Um, but I didn't need to know their name. I didn't need to know about their preaching. Um, because I had my stash. So that always pops out. Um, I also want to say I was in um, Los Angeles, and there were people who hadn't seen me for a very long time. And the first thing they say is, oh, my God, you're half your size. But the more, much more important thing, frankly, that I heard was, wow, you're different. Something's different about you. And I can tell you, I've got religion and when I first read that, I'm like, oh, no, they're talking about that other religion that I'm not. And, um, of course, I, you know, win. And now it's like, oh, thank God I've got religion. God is unbelievably vast and powerful and phenomenal. And I just, it's a source that I can reach at all times, at, at all times. And, and I never knew I would have a program where God was it. God is the deal. God is vast. God is just so, so phenomenal. God is allowing me to be useful and helpful for the first time in my life. And I'm pretty sure I'm almost at my limit. Um, so thank you for letting me share this. Thank you, Wendy. Becky S. followed by Jody EQ. Becky, star one to unmute. Hi, good morning. This is Becky S., recovering compulsive eater. Uh, thank you for allowing me to share. This is my first time. I want to share on I've got religion. Uh, the first time I, well, when he's approaching Bill about the program for the first time, he is coming from a place of strength where he knows that he's got religion. He's at that point where he is um, recovering and he is coming from a place of strength. When I was originally approach. My friend told me about OA years ago, nine years ago, and she told she gave it over to me in a way that she was sort of degrading the system. She's saying like, well, she was there for the weight loss and she was just not, like, 
she was saying, you know, they treat you like an alcoholic, as, as if you're uh, like she was just being negative about it, and that turned me off of the whole idea even before I even had a chance to start. I just didn't, I just was not gonna do that. And it took me a long time. I'm on program now, thank God, for about six months. And um, thank God I was approached by someone else who really explained it to me the right way. And she really, um, it was just amazing. Like, it really makes a difference how you approach a person, like how you go about it and how you talk to people about program and I am very grateful that I am here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Becky. Jody EQ, star one. Good morning. This is Jody EQ, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in California. Well this passage makes me think of my brother also, who is a recovered alcoholic. I, too, grew up with my brother, and I saw his struggle with alcohol, and it was profound. And suddenly, he invite, I come to his recovery center, and I go to his room, and the 12 steps are hanging on the wall. And he stands there, starry-eyed, fresh-skinned, and different, glowing, There was something about his eyes, and he read those 12 steps to me, just to me, as if they were the Ten Commandments or something. It was obvious that it had changed his life. He was my Ebby. He gave me a big book. I could relate, though I am not an alcoholic, and it was shortly thereafter that I found my first meeting. I also see Ebbies in Newcomers. When they first get abstinent, truly abstinent, wow, suddenly they're on fire. They have lived their whole lives addicted to certain alcoholic foods. And when they get off those alcoholic foods, there's a difference. So I think what we have here is a combination of abstinence or sobriety, which is essential, really, to have this true spiritual awakening and true spiritual experience coupled with the relief of the mental obsession by working the 12 steps. The big book never talks about any particular religion or tells us that we we don't have to follow any particular religion. Um, Many of us do, but we don't have to. It is not a requirement whatsoever. We are All we are asked or suggested is that we find a power greater than ourselves, whatever concept we may have of that higher power. And just a little bit, a bit of willingness is enough to believe in something greater than ourselves to recover. We don't have to have a religion to recover and to use this big book to its utmost, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Jody EQ. I have time for one more share. Do I have one more person who'd like to get in the, in here today? It's like a bonus. AJN. I I, I didn't catch your name, but you're it. What is it? A. 
Was it? Can you oh. hear me? This is AJ. I'm back on with a different phone. AJ, let's yes. go with you. You get back in. Go ahead. Okay. Am, am I clear? Yes, we can hear you okay. perfectly. Great. AJN, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater um, near Akron. Um, I just wanted to share that, you know, I had no face-to-face meetings around me. Um, well, there was one, but I work on that night. So when I um, came to Vision for You, everybody on the line was my Ebby. You know, I couldn't see that they were fresh-skinned and glowing and that there was something different in their eyes, but, boy, I could sure hear it in their voices. And it was so powerful for me to hear that recovery, and still is to this day. Um, And I had several people tell me um, when I would tell them about OA, I had lost some weight. I didn't have a lot of weight to lose. And, you know, I had people say there's something different about your eyes. And at first I'm thinking, yeah, it's because my face isn't all puffy from a binge and my eyes aren't swelled shut. And um, But then even, you know, several years later, um, just about six months ago, talking to somebody about program and, and they bring it up, you know, well, there's something in your eyes. And that's, I just think that's, that's so cool. Um, but my mistake, my mistake when I first got into program was I was on fire too. And I was, I think a lot of people do this, you know, you start spreading the word. I've got religion. This is, this 12 step program's great. And it just kind of, um, turns people off. So, you know, I've been real quiet about that, um, more over the last years and just letting my, you know, life speak for the program rather than, um, them preaching it. But I just wanted to share that. That was just quick, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, AJ. Okay, thank you to everyone who shared. Um, we have, uh, I have today's share ID codes. It's for Thursday, February 23rd. The 7 a.m. Eastern uh, time is 9650. 9650 for the 7 a.m. meeting, and the share ID code for this one will be 9651-9651. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, and will Carrie H. please read A Vision for You. Our our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, Carrie H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggestive. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.